Welcome to the Barrel Room Chronicles. I'm Carrie Moynihan, a certified bourbon steward, former bartender, and all-around whiskey aficionado. I travel the world to explore whiskey from every avenue. For the last 20 years, I've been helping others tell their stories through television, film, and other media. But now, I'm taking my love for whiskey and my experience in the entertainment industry to uncover the fascinating stories of the water of life. So kick off your shoes, pour yourself a dram, and join me for this episode of Barrel Room Chronicles. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. It's free. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. It is five o'clock somewhere and you've tuned into episode five of BRC. For those of you watching this episode on our website, YouTube, or Spotify, you'll get a behind-the-scenes look at Mrs. Robinson's Irish Pub in Toluca Lake, California, in today's Tavern Talk. I'll catch up with owner Brett Robinson and talk to him about how he became the proprietor of this pub and how he weathered the pandemic. But first, I'll catch up with whiskey filmmaker Bo Cumberland in Tales from the Still. Hello, we'd like to say a big welcome to Bo Cumberland, who is joining us today. And he is going to tell us all about all the fascinating whiskey things that he does. Um, I found some of his projects online, and I just became really uh, interested in all of his work. So, uh, Bo, welcome, and thanks for joining us today on Barrel Room Chronicles. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, my pleasure. Great. Now, I usually start off by asking people about their whiskey journeys, like where were you born? Where'd you grow up? How did you get into whiskey? And in your case, how did you get into the love of whiskey to where you make all these beautiful video projects? Well, so uh, th those are two different questions for me. So I, I was born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, so I'm a Southern boy. Um about 15, no, 17, 18 years ago, um, so right after Katrina hit New Orleans, we moved to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and not not because of Katrina, it just happened that the timing was that way. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm living in Tennessee, freshly moved to Tennessee, and I'm in the, the mecca of moonshine territory, right? So... I had always wanted to just kind of, I don't know, just be a part of that. But, you know, I wasn't going to make moonshine and I was kind of, you know, didn't Are you know sure? Because it looks like you make it behind well, you. Well, <laughs> it, it, it gets there. It gets there. So I have a, a brother who's 11 years younger than me. And in about 2009, 2010, he came to visit. He's He's lives all over the place. And so he came to visit and he had brought me this moonshine that he had made. He was, he actually just kind of, oh, you know, not having anything to do with me or whatever, but he had started trying to tamper with moonshine. And so he brought me this stuff and we laugh about it now because it was the most rank stuff that I'd ever tasted. If I had ended my journey there, which I probably should have, like it was horrible. 
So I told him, don't ever bring this stuff to my house again. Don't expose me to this. And, and <laughs> so, you know, of course he laughed and he was proud of it because, you know, if you're not around it and, and especially even before, you know, before I've known, got to know what I know now, you, you just kind of think it's supposed to taste like that. It's supposed to knock you out of your chair or it's not good moonshine. So I didn't want any part of it. So a couple years later, he was brave enough to bring something else, you know, that, so he had actually studied and, you know, kind of grown. And so I tasted that and I was like, wait a minute, that's, that actually tastes pretty good. That's, it's not supposed to taste good, but this tastes really good. So long story short, after that, you know, I, I thought to myself, like, I really want to get to know some of these moonshiners because I live here in the midst of, I bet you there's 50 moonshiners in the stone's throw of where I live. So, so I started doing research and sure enough, there was tons of moonshiners around. So I wanted to have a part of it, but I was, didn't want to make it because I was kind of scared that, you know, I don't, you never know. So blow things up, get arrested, all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all of those things. So I, I started my, my journey started where I would reach, I would get on Facebook and reach out to these moonshiner groups. And as soon as I said my name and I'm looking to do some kind of documentary or some type of filming, they would kick me out of the groups. So it took me probably eight months of getting kicked out of every moonshine group that I, I was a part of. Before a couple of guys from their right five miles from the Florida Georgia line, um, they called me up and said, "If you want to film, you know, I, you know, we hear you're looking to film something." And they said, "Here, here are the rules. We'd let we'd love for you to come film us, but we're not going to make up anything, and we're not going to, you know, I I don't know if I can say this, but they said no no bullshit. Like we're no gonna no bullshit." We're just going to do it the right way. And so that I was kind of thought that was very weird that they would say it like that. And so come to find out, and I'll say this as nicely as I can, but come to find out they were a part of another production that films a lot of moonshiners and, and it, Is they it were on just discovery, asked to, perhaps <laughs> maybe, <laughs> but they were, they were asked to do a lot of things that they, I mean, it just, that's wasn't not real. Like, Right. So that, that was kind of their own, their thing was like, if, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. We're going to run real stuff. We're not going to, so I was like, I, I don't want anything else. So, so that led me to, you know, once, once I got my foot in the door there, then, I mean, moonshiners were knocking on my door, calling me to, can we film? Can we, can you film this for us? Can you film? And so it, it's kind of a neat story because my initial, uh, project. I, I wanted to just film a documentary about moonshine and just, you know, interview some people and kind of make it a conglomeration of just all the different things. But what I had promised these people, I, I would say, okay, if you let me come film for you, I'll, I'll put you together a little piece that you could turn into a DVD and sell it, you know, these little, you know, and so it ended up to where I've done so many of those. I haven't still, I mean, this is, we're looking at 10 years in and I haven't ever made my documentary that I want to make. Um, so I don't have the moonshine documentary I set out to make, but that's okay. Cause you know, that after filming several, you know, with different moonshine people and just meeting all kinds of people all across the United States, really. Um, I, I met a guy that that's really focused on bourbon 
And so I had no ties into bourbon. And so his name's Steve Akeley. He runs the ABV network. And so I met him and, and really I reached out to him because he had all these, the, he does all kind of stuff. So he has, you know, articles about bourbon or whatever. And so one of the articles he puts out, he has this thing called like the bourbon nuggets and it's these little information. So honestly, I reached out to him to see if I could use some of his little nuggets to make little video snippets from. I just think that's kind of cool. And he immediately said, can I call you? And I said, yeah. So he called me and he said, I got one better. I have some ideas for feature films. Would you be interested in that? And I said, hey, yeah, but I know nothing about the bourbon industry. And he said, well, I do. So, so, and that's, that's kind of how that, so we, we started, we call it the bourbon Sasquatch production. So it's three of us. It's me, Steve, and, um, this lady named Susie, she does all the music for it. So, you know, she's talented that way. So that's, that's been kind of my life for the past, maybe four years or so. So nice. Um, I moved to Kentucky a year ago, actually to take a position as a media director for a local distillery. And that didn't work out necessarily the way that I thought it would or wanted it to, but it got me to Kentucky. Um, and so I'm still get to do my thing, you know, up here. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Wow. Okay. And so when did you get into, um, shooting and editing? Was that like, was that part of, because you wanted to do something with whiskey and you said, well, how do I do that? And you chose those, or were you already doing that for something else? Yeah, I was already doing that. So I, I have a degree in graphic design. And so in the arena of graphic design, you know, is always kind of photography, video stuff. So about maybe 15 years ago, I really started getting interested in video editing and 15, maybe even longer than that, 15, 20 years ago, there wasn't, you know, all these, um, YouTube links that kind of taught you how to, to do, you know, video editing. So I, I had to teach myself, but, but I learned a lot. And so the, the job that I have now, I, I still work at the same company I worked for when I was in Knoxville, Tennessee. But I, when I started there, immediately went from graphic design there to this is when kind of video was starting to become a, a major thing, you know, on social media. So um, I quickly moved over into the video editing role there. And so that that's what I do mostly there is 98 percent of what I do for this company is is video editing. And so, but it's science-based. And so it's, I hope my boss doesn't ever hear this because it's boring. It's, it's no fun. So, so all my creative stuff is geared toward, and you know, towards the bourbon industry uh, or the moonshine industry. So, um, so I, yeah, I've been doing that for about 20 years now, kind of self-taught. I was school taught graphic design, but self-taught, you know, photography and video. So, right. So um, what's your, what's your platform of choice? What do you like to, to what do you like to edit on? Uh, so I do just the Adobe suite is, is what I edit, what I edit on. So I, I really, so popular, you know, if you know anything, yeah, it's, it's, so I started on the final cut suite. So I, I did it when it was a suite of, when it was a good program, program. So before, had, uh, yeah, before they did yeah, away with it. Then they kind of, they made it like a, a sock. Yeah, they they turned it into like a soccer mom kind of mm-hmm. program, and it, it it was terrible when they did that. But they built it back up to something that's kind of usable now. 
but whenever Adobe switched over and they, they kind of made, they opened this suite up. So, you know, you kind of pay like a monthly fee or whatever it is. It, it opened up a, a lot of options. So, so that's, that's pretty much what I, I do the most, but there's a, another program, DaVinci Resolve. Oh, so yes, I was hoping you'd say that. I love <laughs> So yeah, I, I, yeah, it's free and it, it is a powerhouse. So it it's, is. it's the best for, so, so I'll use that if I'm really wanting to color grade something and just get it, you know, put a lot of time into it. I'll use that, but you know, I'm, I've gotten down to where Adobe, it's easy to just kind of knock stuff out. And I, and I like the integration. So if I'm doing a lot of graphics, so I, I like the Adobe so I can work, you know, in, in all of the programs without having to get out of one. And, and that's the other thing too, is I, I've, since I've gotten into video, I have longed to have relationships with people that, that do what I do so I could create a team and have, you know, so-and-so is good at graphics and so-and-so is good at this. Yes. But it's never worked for me. So I have to do everything. So as a result, you know, my, my projects that I work on, they're all every, if, if there's motion graphics, I did it. If it's graphic design, I did it. If it's, and to some degree that that's, it, it gets to the point where it's limiting because you're like, okay, I don't have time to do everything. So I'm right. going to skimp out on this or that. So, right. you know, not, not, not to say that, that my goal is to put out anything less than a hundred percent for me, but it's sometimes it's just time consuming. But you would like to put out a 200%. Yes. And so, yeah, so that, that's my goal is to find people that I can work with and say, look, like you have the same passions and desires that I do. So let's make something great. And I don't have to do everything. That's, that's the goal. I that's feel you. I feel you. That's exactly where <laughs> I've been for a long time. Um, you know, here I'm in here in LA, I've, I've got a lot of people that I can, I can call up for a lot of things, but uh, because it's their main, main gig. Uh, you know, even if the friends, the, the friend discounts, not, not too cheap. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. but uh, yeah. Well, and that, that's the other thing too, is a lot, a lot, a lot of the times around here, I don't even work on the, the friend rates or whatever. It's like, I do the barter thing. So it's like, okay, I'll do this for a bottle of whiskey or I'll do this for, so that that's fine with me too. It's, it's well, all hey, if you get fun. a good whiskey out of it. Yeah. I know. Right. Yeah. So, so what is your favorite part of the job? Is your favorite part shooting or editing or talking to the people? What's your favorite? Well, if so, that's a hard question because so at work when I'm doing science based stuff and, and we work with, the, the laboratory is out in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So my favorite part there is kind of editing because it's, I, I do like the creativity of, of editing, but when I'm talking about bourbon stuff or moonshine, absolutely. My favorite thing is to be in there with like filming and all the smells and the, I mean, there's not, I don't, you could probably vouch for this. There is nothing like being in a Rick house with the, the smells. And so you know, absolutely. It flip flops when I'm doing bourbon theme stuff. My favorite part is to be like in there with those people. And, you know, I mean, I, I get to meet, you know, it's not every day you get to go to Jim Beam and, and film Fred No or Freddie No. Or, so that, that to me is the, the best part of it. And then, you know, I, I kid around with Steve Akeley, my buddy that, that owns the ABV network. I, I say, you know, I get to live this 
And then I get to go home and relive it 500 times when I'm editing the, the piece. So, you know, and then, but, but, but too, a lot, a lot of things you, you can probably attest to this when you're there filming, I'm so worried about making sure everything's technically right that I'll miss a lot of stuff. So when I go back and I'm watching, I'm like, why didn't I catch that? Or, you know, if I had been paying attention, I could have taken it this way or we could have gone this way with questions. And so I'll get back and it's like almost every time I'm like, man, why didn't I catch this? We could have gone this way. So I I always get a little bigger, the crews I take and I can give more responsibility to other people for like the, the, the not meaningless stuff, but you know, creativity mm-hmm. the meaningless stuff and i can push that off to other people then i can focus more on and what yes. we're shooting like um for example over thanksgiving week uh my niece turned 22 and we were supposed to go to lake tahoe for her 21st birthday last year which obviously could not right. do so for this year we said well let's do a repeat for your 21st and then uh my buddies over at Frey Frey distilling Frey ranch distilling in nevada it's about two hours outside of tahoe i said well can we can we go to the distillery she goes sure i'm of age let's do it um so she was kind of like my pa and we were shooting and we were you know doing a, a podcast there and then when we got back i was like yeah i wish i got this i wish i got that yeah i mean overall it looks good but like there was a couple things i'm like oh man if i had a second camera set up in this place yes. that would have been really good because then we could have had you know so yeah i totally well, feel let you. me ask you on on that note so i will I will take footage and and just graphics and everything that I have for a piece and I will patch it. You know, the way I look at video editing is I see the, all the backend stuff. So behind the scenes, I see all the duct tape that I've put on there and all the Velcro. So when when people say to me like, Oh, I really love that piece. I loved what, what you did with it. To me, a lot of times I see, well, I didn't have exactly what I wanted. So I use this instead. So Mm -hmm. do you feel that way too? Like, Mm -hmm. So, okay, I I, yep. I was hoping it wasn't just me because a lot of yep. times I just feel like, really, you like this? It's duct taped together. It, it is physically duct taped together. But, you know, I, I guess I don't see it from the standpoint of, you know, they don't see all the stuff, all right. the compromises that I had to, to make. Right. Well, during so, the lockdown, Philip and I were executive producing um, a show called um, Cocktails the Grand Tour with Jonathan Pogash. And you know, it was pretty good, but he's in Boston and we're in LA and we were all on lockdown. And so he couldn't have a crew come over. So we're t- kind of t- walking him through, okay, put the one camera over here, put yep. this other camera, no, move it. You know, and we said, okay, while we're doing it, we're going to be on Zoom. We tried to set it up as best we could, right? And then we thought it was, mm-hmm. oh, great. It's fantastic. We shoot the whole thing and then he sends this footage. I'm like, when did you bump the camera on the left? Because <laughs> all of a sudden he's like <laughs> oh, way yeah. back here. Yep. So, I mean, you know, you can do the best you can with one person, but, you know, it's it's hard. And I'm glad that we're out of the lockdown so that we can, you know, get crews together and go to things. Yeah, for sure. There's um, recently, so the, the stuff that I do with Steve Akeley, the, the bourbon related stuff, it's all self-published. It's all self-promoted. So, Long story short, we, the first project we ever did, it was a film called Kindred Spirits, and it was about the the craft distilleries in Kentucky. And so we were going to blow it all out. We were going to spend money on getting it um, distributed and just, it was going to be great. So we found this company called Distriber. I think this is the name of it. You, you may have heard of them. Distriber? No. 
you had distributor, um, and we paid our money. We were going to have it on, you know, every platform that there was. They took our money. We are nothing for about six months. And then at the end of six months, we got wind that they had filed bankruptcy. Oh, and basically, they had our money. There's nothing we could do about it. And they had already published the our piece on, like, I don't know, like Apple and just a few others. And all the money that, that it was accruing wasn't going well, to us. It was, right, going, it was to going to them. The sinking ship, right? So it took us like probably six months of fighting to get them to take all take it off of everything and get it out of their name so we could then self-publish it. So so that that's we're really, really grassroots when it comes to that. So it's just like, you know, we we at at the time we could put stuff on Amazon and you could pick if you wanted it on Prime or not. Since right. then, you know, Amazon's kind of done away with that. They don't. Yeah, you know, that was too bad. I was all excited know, about that. It was, yeah, that was a perfect platform. So now, you know, something they, they'll still Amazon is still okay about putting it on, um, putting some stuff on for sale. You can't do the Prime that much anymore. But so we kind of went over to Vimeo and start opened up a, you know, pay by the play on Vimeo kind of thing. So, I mean, it's, it is what it is, but you certainly don't have the market that you would have if it was on Netflix or Amazon or Apple. So that's where I'm at right now. But it's like, you know, in some instances, I don't have four grand to drop and exactly, you know, exactly. so but, That's yeah. the world we live in. It's ever, it's easy access, but only if you have money. <laughs> yes, so, correct. Yeah. Um. So tell me about your fi- your favorite project that you've done so far. And then I know you do a lot of bourbon and uh, moonshine, but do you do any scotch or Tennessee whiskey or Irish whiskey, Japanese whiskey? Or do you plan to? Well, no. So short answer, no. That, well, so I'm I'm a huge Scotch fan. I love Scotch, but my my dilemma is, do I you have get, to get to Scotland? Yeah, do I get that involved in a in a spirit that I have to travel to Scotland? Which don't get me wrong, I, if somebody gave me a plane ticket to Scotland, I'd I'd hop on it tonight. And so I, I love Scotch, and and I would love to do some stuff in the Scotch industry. I just don't have the opportunity right now. Um, as far as Tennessee whiskey goes, I, I'm i probably going to get booed for saying this because I lived in Tennessee for 17 years, but I'm not a Tennessee whiskey fan. I don't – I'm a bourbon fan, and I know you, we could argue semantics all day long. Yep. I'm just not a Tennessee whiskey fan. But, but I, so you I'll basically say, don't like the flavoring that the uh, Lincoln County process does to yeah, bourbon? I, yeah, I don't. Which so that's fine. A couple of years ago, Jack Daniels put out this – this uh, package, it was around Christmas time. And the, the, the package was a bottle of clear, a small little 200 milliliter bottle of clear before the Lincoln County process. There was a, a bottle of char that they used for that process. And then a bottle of clear after the Lincoln County process. And so if you know a lot, anything about Jack Daniels, people will say like their, their white dog, or their new make tastes, it has like this banana flavor to it. And it does, it has this really like earthy banana flavor to it. So me and a couple of buddies bought, bought this little pack and we were, we're testing it and we drank the, the new make straight off the still. 
And it, I mean, it had a delicious like banana flavor to it. Then we tasted the post Lincoln County process and it was like Everclear. It stripped all the flavor away. And I, I thought, why would you do, why would you strip all this, this character from it? But I mean, I like, there are plenty of people that would prefer Tennessee whiskey over bourbon or whatever. And, and right. I'm not knocking anybody. I just, I don't prefer it. And it's all about flavor profiles, you know. Correct, um, correct. Some people, some people like the stripped down flavor. Some people like the non-stripped down flavors. I, it depends for me. I mean, I've had some Tennessee whiskeys um, that Nicole Austin was making over at George Dickel, and she's done mm-hmm. some amazing things with the finishes on those. So I really like them. But, sure. um, you know, when I first started drinking whiskey, if you gave me a I was like, mm, you know, I, but, you know, um, but then again, overall, I'm more of a scotch person. Um, I like the Speyside scotch reason, region yeah. be- best than I'm an Irish person, uh, and I am Irish. So, um, and then I also really like a good rye. So yeah, let's talk about rye. Do you ever cover rye? Would you ever cover rye? Do you like rye? Yeah, actually. And so being in Kentucky, I mean, I get the, the chance often to... You know, a lot, a lot of these bourbon makers, you know, they they make just as much rye as they do bourbon. So, yeah, I'm definitely a, a rye fan. And, you know, as my palate has developed and, and continues to develop, um, rye is, you know, probably at the top of my list. So my, my wife, when we moved to Kentucky, she's not a bourbon girl at all. She, she doesn't like bourbon, but I've, I've, converted her so now when i go to these distilleries she wants to go with me because she does she likes bourbons but so here recently i've been getting a, into um a lot of single barrel rice i hope you make her st- hold the light up or something for you give a little work <laughs> yeah. out of it for her. no she she's definitely just there for the bourbon so recently i've been doing some work for some people at peerless kentucky peerless and so um over the past couple of weeks, I've been trying different, they have a, their single barrel program is kind of out of this world. So a buddy of mine runs that and their rye whiskeys, their single barrel rye whiskeys are top notch. So, and I still, my wife still, I've, I've said, look, these are the best, these are some of the best rye whiskeys that you'll taste. And I still can't, she still the, the only, the only rye whiskey she will drink. Cause she, she does, she's a, um, uh, old Forester fan, so she does like the Old Forester rye. So, well, that is a good rye. That yeah. is a good rye. But yeah, I'm 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 into the. I mean, the, the thing about bourbon for me is the whole process. I love the the distilling process, and I love the the aging process. I love the whole thing, and so I mean, it goes hand in hand with rye. The the only thing different is the grain. So it's it's the same process. It's the same people. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely into. To the rise. That's awesome. So, and that's still back there. Have you uh, tried to make anything? And oh God, I hope I hope you didn't try to make a rye because that could be a big mess because those are hard to just dis- well, not so much <laughs> to distill, but hard to uh, to mash because they overflow a lot. Yes, that is correct. And no, so <clears throat> this still behind me was a gift. So I, a couple, about a year ago, um, I re- one of my moonshine buddies that actually lives in Kentucky, Donnie Benton. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Donnie and Teresa Benton. They're the Beattyville hillbillies. That's what they call themselves. Nice. So they, they're, they're super awesome people, but they, I've been, I've known Donnie for probably I don't know, 10 years, maybe. So they, we've been trying to get together and, and do a film kind of about him. He's, he's a super funny guy. And so he, just kind of mixes comedy with, with everything. So 
we've been wanting to do a, a piece about him and, and Teresa, his, his girlfriend. And so about a year ago, we finally had some space open up, some time open up. So we got together and, and did a piece for him. And one day he, Teresa called me and said, Hey, can, cause they live about two hours from me still, even though I'm in Kentucky. And she said, can you come down to the house? Donnie wants to give you something. And so I had no idea what it was. And so I, like, I got drive there and two had, hours. All right, fine. Yeah. So I got there and, and he had given me this still to, um, as a thank you for, for working on that for him. I'll yeah. say that going, going back to Donnie Benton, that's his specialty is he does like this clear rice. Just, I, I'm pretty sure it's 100% rye. If not, <clears throat> it's very high rye with a little bit of corn or whatever. But but he he makes some of the best rye that I've ever had. And, I mean, he's always told me you know, he's ne never had any trouble out of it. So I don't know. Wow. But, yeah. I, I'm like you, though. It's like Well, if he's I making small stuff, batches, like, that's probably why. Because it's pretty easy, I guess. Well, he does. He has a pretty big still. So I think he does 100 gallon batches oh, and well, we then probably I, then need to a, take then this he's up. very good at what he does i guess <laughs> yeah nice. i don't want to write him out so what are you what are you drinking in your glass there sir i actually speaking of peerless i uh picked up a, a peerless uh single barrel rye whiskey last time i was there nice. and what i think is cool about what they do and i think this is cool a lot of people don't like it but they name their barrel so um my buddy John, who's kind of over their single barrel program there, they they get a a, a group of people together that you know kind of have the same palates or or are very versed in the flavor profiles of whiskey, and so they'll come up with names of the barrels, and and a lot of people don't like that because it's you know you're leading me into what I should be tasting. That's but silly. I, I do think that's silly. I think if if you can. If you can tell me what you know what what you're getting out of it, I may or may not get the same thing out of it, but it gives me a starting point and and whether it's power of suggestion or not, I guarantee you more times than not if I taste something that somebody else has said, you know, I taste marshmallows on this or cinnamon on this, mm -hmm. I'm going to taste those things and it's a more pleasurable experience for me, you know, cuz there there are times that I'll taste a bourbon or a, a rye and it's like, man, there's something that's so prominent in this and i can't think of what it is you know but if it's and then somebody else goes banana you're like that's yeah, it you're like, oh, that's it we i was at neely family distillery so oh, neely. they're okay. about they're about five miles from my house and becca sue she's their single barrel coordinator there and she and i were tasting barrels about a couple of weeks ago and she pulled out one and, and where i'm not so versed on this or where i'm not as good with this is she will and my buddy John, they'll be able to pull a barrel and say and taste it. And not only can they pull out notes, but they can say, "Oh, this one's not quite ready. Like six more months, and this one will be ready." I'm just not there yet. I'm like, this tastes phenomenal right now. <laughs> You're like, it's great so now. What are you doing? What are you talking about? We we pulled out this barrel and I tasted it, and immediately it was like, this tastes like uh, butterscotch, and it was like, nice. I mean, to the point that I. I honestly thought it was butterscotch flavored whiskey. It was like someone so dropped in a, a, a little yeah, candy like through some, the top. It was so delicious. And so I said, please pull this barrel right now, bottle it up. I want a bottle of it right now. And she was like, well, let's give it six more months. And like, no. I was like, what? This is, this is perfect the way it is. And so that that's where I have a lot to learn, but, but kind of hanging out with these people. 
I mean, I, I learned so much from them and it's, it's super cool, but yeah, that's, so I've, I've been hanging out with the peerless crew lately. And so, you know, their, their stuff, you ever had any of their stuff peerless? I have not yet. I've, I've heard wonderful things about them, but I have not yet uh, had their, their, their juice. Yeah, I am it's... sipping on a um, Glen Morangi 10. Oh, um, yeah. I was in a scotch mood this, this afternoon. Sure. Um, I've been doing, you know, a lot of American made stuff lately. And I thought I need a scotch. I need a, I need yeah. a variation for a minute. So, but I've been doing a lot of, I mean, everything we've been doing lately is all fantastic tasting stuff between yeah. this podcast and, and spirits of whiskey. And then also I'm uh, producing uh, the cocktail guru podcast with Jonathan Pogash and his father. Um, and we have a lot of uh, chefs and, and guests on that are um, beverage connoisseurs. So yeah. it's kind of a well-rounded tasting experience really. Yeah, for sure. So. I, I definitely, for scotches, I'm definitely an Ali scotch. I, I like that medicinal. You like the smoky? Yeah. Yeah, I love I the smoky. And what's funny is I wasn't ever, other than like, say, Johnny Walker, that kind of thing, I wasn't into scotches. And then my brother, the same one that, that got me into all this, um, he sent me this video it was several years ago. It was a Lafroy video. You okay. know, the one that's like, they're tasting and going, Oh my God, this is the grossest thing, you know, just whatever. I think their official campaign was opinions welcome or something like that. <laughs> so I thought if this is that horrible, I've got to try it. Right. Right. And so I was almost disappointed because I bought a bottle of it and I tasted it and I fell in love with it. The, like I was expecting to taste like, I don't know, like burnt rubber or whatever. I mean, just, but I, I always taste my, iodine. I always do. Uh, I just I, but whatever it is, whatever that flavor is, I love it. So, yeah, I, I will anytime I'm out and I have a chance to get a Lafroig or you know anything heavily peated, I'll I'll go for that all day long. Well, Bo, hopefully uh, you and I can take a trip to Scotland and we'll we'll do some yes. shooting and do some tasting and uh, expand your your palate even further into the you know more scotch. <laughs> There's so many. That works for me, yeah. Cool. Well, Bo, thank you so much for being with us today. We will be right back in just a minute, but Bo, thank you so much. Thank you. Don't touch that device. Up next, I'm on location at Mrs. Robinson's Irish Pub. If you like what you've seen on BRC, you'll love what's coming soon in the Barrel Room Parlor. As a member, you'll have exclusive access to various spin-off series, including The Cutting Room Floor and the Telly Award-winning series Kindred Spirits. To create your membership, visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com and click on Become a Member. Once you have chosen your membership level, you'll be able to enjoy all the extra content it has to offer. You'll even be able to participate with the show by commenting on videos and other posts. Don't wait! Sign up today for exclusive content in the Barrel Room Parlor. Mr. Robinson. Yes. Who owns I Mrs. Can. Robinson. Yes, yes. So, now, tell me a little bit about, as we always ask people on the show, what's your whiskey history? What's your whiskey journey? And yours turned into not just whiskey, but you now own a bar, and you were not in the hospitality industry prior to this. That, that is correct. My, my actual background is in the sort of film and television entertainment space. 
Um, I was a CFO for various companies. And, but I think like a lot of people, uh, you have an interest traveling around, going to various pubs and bars, and, and uh, especially on vacation. And there's always in the back of your head thinking, that'd be kind of fun to do, knowing that it's going to be a lot of work. But at the same time, there's always that element of like, mm, that'd be interesting. So right. that's sort of the beginning of it was over the years going to places thinking maybe someday. Okay. Now, when we were on the tour, I noticed there was a, a plaque that looks like it's going to be hung up or a picture or photograph about Mrs. Robinson, the Irish uh, president. Yes, yes. Actually, you know, so obviously the, uh, my last name is Robinson. You know, my mother is Mrs. Robinson. Um, but when... when uh, I decided uh, to go ahead and do the bar. Uh, I was married at the time, and it was something that my wife and I were going to do together, no longer. But um, at the time, uh, trying to come up with names, uh, one of the thoughts was to keep the name of the existing business. But we thought, you know, we want, we were going to remodel, and, and a rebrand felt like it was something we wanted to do. And I was actually over in London and had a meeting with, with a, an Irish uh, gentleman there over drinks one night um, with, my, with my company and um, at the time. And I let him know, hey, you know, I'm in the process of uh, buying an Irish pub. And he asked, uh, you know, what, what I was going to call it. And then I, I said I hadn't really decided yet. Maybe Robinson's. And he says, oh, no, 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 you got to call it Mrs. Robinson's. And then he told me the story how uh, Mary Robinson was the first female president of Ireland. And it was like, okay, this makes sense on a lot of levels. You know, there's a lot of Mrs. Robinson's in my life anyway. And uh, and obviously the song and the graduate and everything that comes to mind. It, right. I, I thought it'd be something memorable. And of course, him adding that to it, it's like, okay, this is this really feels like the right thing, you know. For anyone who says Robinson's not an Irish name, well, don't tell that to the, pres the president, president of right. Ireland. She was very Irish, but uh, very cool. Yeah. And how? What? What year did you buy the pub? And um, what progress have you made? Obviously, on the tour, I got to see the upstairs and how much you've changed. This, what I like about what you've done is. You've really upgraded upstairs. You've totally upgraded the back because there was no back before. Right. Um, and now, but you still have the, the original feel in in this room of the original Irish pub. Yeah, and that, and that was the point. Is uh, so the, the first question though was it was uh, 2019, uh, bought it in 2019, opened October 2019. So I had a good five and a half month run before we were shut down. You know. <laughs> I always felt like I'm pretty good at writing business plans, but I did not factor pandemic into the right. <laughs> blew that one. Um, no, but 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 the idea though from the beginning was to really keep this this old school Irish pub feel downstairs. So the remodel, um, the plan was to start with upstairs um, and turn that into a sports bar entertainment venue. Um, I'm a big sports fan, uh, and a lot of the people who come here are, and we wanted to attract that. So, uh, you know, turning that, remodeling that, um, but yet still keeping the integrity of the bar itself. The outside came about really because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. When we were required to only be outside, put up a tent in the back parking lot and found that people loved being outside. Not just the fact that they had an opportunity to actually get out of the house, right. but, it, but just being out in the open air, it just felt right. And obviously Southern California, we're fortunate to have good weather most of the year. So... Uh, it, it was, it was during that time, it was like, well, let's try to find a way to make this permanent. Learn that that's a very long permitting process, I'm getting sure. a conditional use permit to have a permanent, uh, patio. We had a lot of support of the, the people in the area. So definitely supportive neighbors here in terms of the businesses, a lot of the, uh, the neighbors, the regulars who come in here, are very supportive. So that worked out well for us and, uh, went through the whole process and ultimately, uh, built the outside patio. And you know what? It went up pretty quick because I was here a few months back, right after the lockdown 
uh, let us out, yeah, basically. Exactly. And I was like, oh, this is great. I love the tent. It was fun. I had a good time. And I come back, like, it seemed like a month later, and there was this whole structure, and it's all right. decked out, and beautiful bar out there and everything. I'm glad that it felt that way to you, for me, and, 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 and everyone who's in construction knows this. Uh, it feels like it takes forever, but at the same time, it was it was pretty quick in the overall scheme of things, and you know, just very happy with it. And now, I mean, the real point is to have three bars in one. So whatever your vibe is, um, we could have three different types of music playing. We could have the you know the old Irish pub. You could be sports bar upstairs, and then our little beach patio outside. So nice. Yeah, a little bit very of everything. Cool. So what's the next step for you in this bar? What do you think you're going to do next? Well, really, I mean, it's it, at this point, honestly, it's about promotion, really, because um, we, we spend a lot of time and effort and energy and money. And, and there's a lot of, you know, we have a great staff here, uh, great food. It was really just about getting everything right before you invite people in. It's like you when you're fixing up your house, you don't right. want it like, don't come in until I've at least cleaned it. So now we're at the point where the, the back patio is open. So really just want to kind of get the word out. So appreciate uh, being on your show here. Well, that's what I love to do. I love to help promote everybody's uh, good Irish whiskey and good Irish pubs and, well, you know, Irish Carrie Moynihan. You can't there you go. Irish yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I love promoting everything uh, whiskey related and uh, spirits related. So thank you so much for being on the Barrel Room Chronicles today. And oh, we appreciate it. can't wait to see what comes next with the bar. Absolutely. We'll have to grab a drink sometime. Sounds good. All right. For show notes on today's episode, please visit www.barrelroomchronicles.com. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe to the podcast. If you really liked it and want to show your support, buy us a whiskey through our Kofi site. If you work in the whiskey industry or run a whiskey bar or club, and you'd like to be featured on Barrel Room Chronicles, register to be a guest through our website. Thanks for joining me. And until next time, Salonjava. Barrel Room Chronicles is a production of First Real Entertainment and is distributed by Anchor FM and is available on Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.